welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 31 of the True To You podcast. Today's guest is Jenny Steep and Jenny is a movement teacher, yoga teacher and advocate for women's health and fitness and boy does this woman have a lot of passion for her work. She's also been through a lot in the last few years and this is a really honest interview that goes deep into many, many changes that she's been through, not only in her career, but also major changes in her relationships and her tribe uh, and finding her sweet spot, that place where she has FOMO if she's sick in bed in the morning and can't get out and simply enjoy life to the fullest. Jenny was first inspired by movement when she started taking classes around five years ago and she was drawn in by the idea that exercise doesn't have to be a chore. She realized that it can be playful, it can be fun and still challenging at the same time. The first type of movement that really got her addicted to this part of the fitness industry was hand balancing and if you follow at Jenny Moves on Instagram, you'll see some pretty incredible hand balancing from this woman who's been uh, working at the art of hand balancing, as you can tell, for a number of years. But in saying that, she's also a bit of a pro on the gymnastics rings. She can dabble in a little acrobatics, yoga, dance, uh, flow, and martial arts. It's a pretty incredible way to use the body, I also have to say, and really just uses your body weight. So it's why this training is so powerful for us as humans. Jenny was inspired to teach after seeing the impact that movement had made on her own life. And as she was in periods of transition, it also helped her to get through that especially emotionally. And in 2017, she took on a teaching role at the Movement Collective. In 2018, she completed her yoga teacher training. And now she currently teaches out of the Movement Collective here in Newcastle. Also some very exciting news if you are based in Newcastle, Central Coast or the Hunter area. On the 1st of March, Jenny and I are collaborating on one of her Uh, series this year called the Exuberant Woman series and I'll be teaching you all about the foundation that you need to create change in your career. I'll be joined by Nerida Bent. She will be taking you through an an incredible, I'm sure like uh, exhausting (laughs) uh, movement session as well. So if you'd like to come along for that, then click through the link that will be at the bottom of the show notes. So without further ado, I want to bring you this incredible conversation today with the amazing Jenny Steep. This is the True To You podcast, your very own work bestie. Each week we come together for honest conversations about reinventing yourself and your career, all while navigating a path towards meaningful work. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. (laughs) 
Welcome, Denny, to the True to You podcast. Thank you so much for coming into my home today to share this interview. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Uh, so the reason why I wanted to have beautiful Jenny on today is that not only has she had uh, a pretty dramatic career change, and she will share a little bit about that very shortly, uh, but Jenny is also one of those people in my life that uh, she's just a light. She's a, uh, a lighthouse and she's someone that you want in your life. I remember when we first met, it was about two years ago, and John and I threw ourselves into this uh, beach session doing movement on, on the sand in our swimmers and I was thinking I'm really not sure how this is gonna, going to go they're probably going to get sand in places <laughs> that I've never had sand before but we jumped in anyway and I always remember that day because Jenny was so welcoming and she really just seemed like she was at home doing what she was doing and now to see her work evolve and change and now to have the privilege this year of collaborating with Jenny, it is so exciting and I really just wanted to share your story because I know that it's worth telling. So thank you, Jenny. Uh, first questions first, that this is a question that I love asking everyone that comes on the podcast because everyone's answer is completely different. What gets you out of bed in the morning, Jenny? Oh, out of bed in the morning? This um, answer would have evolved a lot over time, but since changing careers, I would definitely say FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's also the reason why it's hard to stay in bed. Like if I'm not well or something, I'm always laying there thinking, oh, what am I missing out on today? Like, you know, just thinking about the possibilities of the day and, mm. you know, who I could be out helping or what I could be doing or what I could be exploring. So definitely in the morning uh, when my alarm goes off, I'm thinking about the possibilities of the day. Yeah, that, that answer sounds very appropriate yeah. to you. <laughs> and I love that. I wouldn't expect anything less from Jenny because every time you get to interact with her, go to a class, uh, experience her work, she's always got a lot of energy and you know that she's doing something that she really loves and I'm sure that that thought of that gets you out of bed in the morning which is amazing so normally I don't do this with uh, podcast guests but I want to dive a little bit further back into your life uh, Jenny and I just to give you some context caught up the other day for a coffee and we had this amazing conversation we connected in ways that we hadn't yet connected before and it was really it was a really beautiful conversation it went all sorts of directions <laughs> and it was really to warm up for the podcast and have a little think about what we were going to talk about today one of the things that came up though was a little background to what helped frame and what helped you make the certain career choices that you made throughout your life uh, to date, but particularly I want to go back to what it was like being a child for you, how that really shaped uh, your decisions, especially as that, you know, naive, vulnerable 18 year old, but also with the world at our feet and, it, and we're thinking at the time, oh, I can do anything. And uh, what was that turning point in your life and what uh, did that look like in terms of your decisions of your career? 
Yeah, cool. So <clears throat> when I think about when I think about childhood and I go back to childhood, it's really funny because I feel like probably for the past five or ten years I've been battling between you know wanting to sit down and really analyze my childhood and have a think about how it's affected all these little aspects of my life. But then at the same time, there's these other things in me that say, you know, don't like, you don't need to go back there. Like, don't go back there. That doesn't matter. Like you make your life what you want to make it. And it makes sense to be stuck like right in between those Mm. two, because both of them are actually true. Um, It it just has to be balanced. So I think that um, my childhood wasn't, uh, didn't dictate the person that I grew into be, but it definitely influenced my perspective on life and has definitely influenced a lot of the decisions that I've made along the way. Um, so childhood definitely plays a huge influence on, ev- I think, everybody's um, adult life, but definitely mine. Um, so my childhood, I remember, the first the first part of my childhood, I remember my mum and dad were still together and my dad worked really hard, so he had a job, but he also really looked after us. He had. Um, a big fruit and veggie patch like we had every vegetable imaginable in the backyard and we had chickens I think we had about 10 chickens so we always had fresh eggs and we always had fresh fruit and vegetables Um, you know we had berries we had strawberries we had banana passion fruits we had all like this amazing garden so I remember you know feeling really well cared for like he really did care for us and it's actually something that recently I um, on his birthday I sent him a little appreciation uh, message and I told him about all the things that I appreciated from mm-hmm. him growing up because he really did give a lot to me um, during those first few years. <clears throat> so my mum and dad actually separated, which was pretty traumatic for me because at that age, well, I think at any age, you know, as mm-hmm. a, as a girl with a, you know, with your dad in your life, you your dad is your protector and he's the one who's going to look out for you and make sure everything's okay. And when mum and him separated. He actually left, so he moved to Bundaberg, and at the time we were living um, in the Hunter Valley, so it was too far for him to come and visit and too far for us to go and visit him. And I remember that being really sad. I still remember the, the last night that, um, that he left, actually. I, I told him that I'd left something at home that really wasn't important, and he, he brought it over to me, and I sat on his lap, and I just remember crying, and it was pretty traumatic um, because my protector was leaving. And then to make matters worse, my mum remarried, but she married someone who was abusive, so physically abusive towards myself and to my mum. So this new man in my life who I had seen as being my next protector, the Mm. next person who was going to look out for me and make sure everything was all right, um, he didn't turn out to be that person. Mm. And the next person who I would put in that role would be, of course, my mum. But because she she stayed in a relationship where she allowed abuse to happen to myself and to her I couldn't I couldn't rely on her to protect me so that's something that that I think has really affected me as an adult and it's around safety stability and security and wanting that in all aspects of my Mm -hmm. life so whether it was the partner that I chose or the career that I chose or you know the things that I decided to do with my life um, for career, if we're specifically talking about career, it just wanted me to have a really stable, safe career. And that meant when I finished high school, I, um, I didn't necessarily go out and pursue my dreams. I was just kind of looking for a, I guess, something that was safe, mm-hmm. something I knew I could do and something that um, I could bring an income for and just be, just be happy kind of. But um, it's funny that you asked this question because just a couple of weeks ago, Rod and I were at home and he pulled out um, his little book of questions, which he has. 
<clears throat> and if you don't have this book, it's a really awesome book, especially if you're not in a relationship, I think, um, create some really good conversation. And the question that came up was, do you think that your childhood was better or worse than most? And it's such an interesting question because when I think about it, probably when I was a child, I would have looked at my childhood as being worse than most mm. because I was comparing it to you know people around me, my friends or people at school or my cousins or whoever who may have had more money or whatever. But um, now I see as an adult that as a child, I had a roof over my head at all times. I was never hungry. I mm. went to school. Mm. And this is a privileged life compared mm. to most people in the world. Mm. So definitely I had, I had a really good childhood mm. compared to most. Um, and I don't want to say that the things that happened in my child were negative things mm. because I think that everything that happens in your life it's just preparing you for something mm. that you need that lesson for later on in life mm. and something that I got out of my childhood apart from just wanting safety and security was definitely resilience mm. and so even then initially I just wanted that safety mm. and security later on that resilience made me think hang on a minute like you're better than this like you've been through way worse than mm. this you can have whatever you want mm. so yeah it definitely affected my life in a big way and not just my career but my whole life yeah, and uh, I can so relate to you on those uh, points around security and safety. I think as women, even in Western society, with so much opportunity that we have, we're basically like, and I'm saying this very loosely, we're basically, uh, you know, uh, got everything that men have for the most part. I know that we're still battling equality things, but yet there's still this underlying desire for being protected, cared for, mm -hmm. having security. And uh, I know that comes up a lot with clients is often the thing that really stops mm -hmm. them from making that leap. And you'll see a lot of men not be held back mm -hmm. by that, uh, that sense of security, except for perhaps if they're at a certain time in their life where um, you know they're really being that provider mm. but even then even then I would say if you put a woman and a man in the same conversation the woman would uh, probably feel a little bit more strongly towards desiring security yeah. and um, so you're completely not alone I've I've felt that myself I've heard that myself or have experienced similar things where it's like I've just got to maintain this way of living otherwise you know what's going to happen to me it's going to fall apart <laughs> yeah <it's, laughs> literally i thought that as well um before we connected uh to film this podcast and to record this podcast i distinctly remember you talking about a particular time in your career where you had obviously made these choices uh around maintaining these secure roles but then at a certain point that wasn't enough and you thought oh, I'm going to go for something much bigger and I think you said the words you said to me were something like this job was on the next yeah. level up <laughs> like literally, <laughs> literally in the <laughs> office building and I would I'll be making it in life if yeah. I get to that next level up but at the same time you also weren't 100% qualified for this job I don't even know if how how qualified you were there must have been some criteria that you met but 
this is something that comes up a lot for women that we tend to undersell ourselves in the job market in these situations where we really want to go for something that looks so amazing you know I'm going to throw everything into it but I'm not qualified for it who am I to try and go for this job and you did that and I really wanted you to be able to share that experience of doing that and what that looked like uh, because it wasn't easy so share with us what that looked like yeah sure actually there was um there was a time leading into it where I did something kind of on a smaller scale which kind of like gave me a little bit of a jump start Mm. to to head on with it at the time I was working for Glencore and they're a Swiss owned mining giant and I was working in their accounts department and I'd been working there for I think about four years at this point and I yeah to start with in that role I was just doing the accounts accounts work so it was mainly just data entry and stuff like that um but there was a there was an opportunity for me to take on a new mine within that role and for me to actually do some um fly in fly out Mm. out to claremont which is um about an hour out of emerald and that was something that was like oh it's a little bit exciting i'm still doing my job but i'm like doing these other little things and i'm going to be learning so that was really exciting but once that kind of died off a bit and it wasn't so exciting anymore because it was just it was just the same thing in a different place Um, another role actually came up and yes it was on the next level so I was on level three and it was on level four and on level four that's kind of where all the big bosses were that's where all the big meetings happen that's where you know the people who earned more money were and it looked really exciting from where Mm. I was I think it was mainly because of the money and then also partly because of just being able to say that I was on the next level Mm. was like it was just really cool and um, the job came up and I looked at the job description and it was specifically given to the girls who were in my division because they like to offer the jobs to people internally before they mm. went outside. And I looked at the role and I kind of had a look at, you know, all the people who were around me and I thought, oh, who like who could be better than me here? Like who is the person who's most likely to get it? And I didn't, I thought, you know, out of the people that were there, I had a pretty good chance because of the stuff that I had done previously mm. in that team. Um, but looking at the job description, I didn't know, I didn't know anything like anything that was on there. You know, liaising, liaising with shipping um, agents and liaising with customs and um, letters of credit and all of these things that I'd never done before. Mm. Laboratory work and it was just all so far away from what I felt confident in. Mm. Um, but I really wanted the job because I knew that it meant more money and it meant this, um, you know, the prestige of mm. being on the next level mm. up. So I went for the job and I interviewed really well, but um, coming out, I still didn't think that I had the job because I felt like, I definitely felt like a fraud and I felt like I was going to be found out as a fraud. Mm. Um, And that has come up a few times for me in my past, but um, yeah, I went for the job and I ended up getting it. And then when I got into the role, probably for the first six months, I had no idea what I was doing. And it was really tough because I had to be okay with asking for help all the time Mm. every day like Mm. you know three or four times a day I would need someone to sit with me and basically Mm. hold my hand and walk me through Mm. the steps and it felt like every time I took the initiative and thought no I can do this on my own and I'd try to do it and I'd mess it up and then I'd have to go and tell someone that I'd messed something up and it was it was really tough um but you know after six months I, I had it down really easily and I was I was doing it all really well and it was it felt good to to pass that challenge 
Um, so yeah, definitely went for a job. I didn't think I was going to get it. I got it. I didn't think that I could do it, but I could do it. <laughs> and do you think, uh, you said that there was other times in your life where this came up, but do you think being able to move through that uncertainty, move through mm. that discomfort, land the job, m- maybe, I mean, if you look back, if you hadn't have landed the job, I don't know what uh, would have played out, but the fact that you did and then what you've gone on to do in the rest of your career so far, do you think that really set you up as an example of what was possible mm. for you? Definitely. Um, just that feeling of not having it all together um, and that being okay because up until mm. that point I was really particular about only taking on things that I knew that I could do like I can do that easily mm. and, and I actually really enjoyed going and applying for jobs that I knew that I could do easily mm. because it you know felt good to feel yeah. confident and powerful yeah. and I you know I'd walk into an interview and I'd sit down and I'd do it and I'd breeze through it and I'd walk out the door and I'm like I got that job yeah, yeah I'm just <laughs> waiting for the phone call and I was so confident in it and it felt really good. So um, being in a place where I was not confident at all, like I was actually pretty scared going into it and coming through and being able to do it, it gave me a lot of confidence in other aspects of my life to be like, oh, you know what? It doesn't matter if I don't have it all together. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. You can just do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, when I left, when I actually ended up leaving, I went and did my yoga teacher training and I'd only done like 10 yoga classes. I love that. I was like, I went, and, <laughs> I went and learned how to be a yoga teacher, but I didn't actually know how to do yoga you myself. A yogi. I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> even, no, I, I mean, I'm still not. <laughs> yeah, I know how to do yoga and I can teach a yoga class, but I'm definitely not a yogi. Um, so that was one thing. And then actually last year I ran my first women's event. Actually, it was the first event that I had run on my own ever. And... Um, going into it I was so scared that again that first I'm gonna be found out to be a fraud you know I'm not an events person mm. I'm you know I'm not this I'm not that I'm I'm not enough basically mm. and I don't know why I'm doing this mm. um, but I followed through with it and the event went well it didn't go exactly how I wanted it to go but that's that's okay because it's the first one yeah um, and then every event after that has been better and better um, so yeah I'm really glad that I'm really glad that yeah, that I took that opportunity with the job because it probably was one of the first instances where I was like, I, I'm, I don't think I have this, mm. but I'm going to try for it anyway. And I think something really key that that uh, has come out of that that maybe you have realised or maybe you haven't yet realised is that you said yes to yourself and then you worked it out afterwards. Yeah. You said yes to the <laughs> yoga training and then you worked out how yeah. to be a yoga yeah. teacher afterwards. <laughs> you said yes to the event did it anyway and that's now set you up to do more events because uh you 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 know now that the bulk of it is about saying yes and then learning on the job (laughs) actually another instance comes up in my mind now just when we're talking about that um the year before last rod my partner did the stars of newcastle and Mm. i remember seeing him go through that process and thinking wow, I wish I could do that. Like, you know, he's doing such an amazing thing and he's raising money for charity and he's learning how to dance and he's going to dance in front of all of these people and it was just so amazing Mm. seeing him do that and I was just so proud and in awe of people being able to do things like that. And um, at the end of the year, he, um, he said to me, who do you think I should nominate for the Stars of Newcastle? And um, I like, I let it go for a little while but about a week later I was like, 
Do you want to nominate me? Like, yeah. I don't know, like just kind of throwing it out there. And that was even scared for me to ask my partner because I was kind of, I was a little bit afraid that he was going to say, well, who are you mm. to do Stars of Newcastle? Mm. Like that was a, for me to actually ask him. Yeah. It was me stepping up and saying, yeah, I'm good enough to do this. It actually doesn't matter what you think of me. I, I hope that you say yes. But um, yeah, so I ended up doing it, which was crazy because once I got into it, I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? I had to like <laughs> learn how to dance. I, and then I had to run more events because, mm. and I ran this huge big, I had a big ball. I had like 120 people there and raised, I think nearly $8,000. Mm. And it was um, the whole time thinking, oh my got myself into but um yeah it worked out well I jumped into it and it it all just kind of happened you're amazing (laughs) you're such such a perfect example for all these women listening if they just take away that one little bit from this podcast uh a few other uh, people come to mind that echo that same uh thing that you've been talking about and that is uh, a woman that I love who I've followed for years Marie Folio and she always said start before you are ready and she's a living example of that as well. She did something really crazy this year with her book tour where she decided to do it Beyonce style because no one else had ever done a performance as part of a book tour. <laughs> and she's a dancer, but not uh, not in the capacity that she ended up delivering on. And I love that. And I think it's important to remember that, yes, start before you're ready listen to what Jenny's saying because she's just like you and I and she uh, the big thing that that allowed her to be able to do that is recognize that the voice in her head was saying you probably shouldn't do this but she did it anyway and so we don't have to shut down the voice we don't have to say no because it's always going to be there but good things are possible when you acknowledge that it's there and you just keep going anyway <laughs> yeah it's that it's the like i refer to it as the voice of comfort yeah it's like oh you shouldn't do that because it's like always you're always trying to keep you mm. safe and make sure that everything runs smoothly and everything's going to be okay um but if you can just like push it aside a little bit yeah and then like try to step forward and don't listen um, yeah. yeah you'll find that big things can happen oh that's so good that's so good so the next part I wanted to go on to in your journey is really this tipping point for you. And some of the women listening might be at this tipping point. Uh, we'll go through these tipping points in terms of our career a number of times, whether it be going for that big promotion, whether it be making a big leap into something completely new, which is the big reason I started coaching because I wanted to be able to guide women through that process. But what was it like when you started to feel out of alignment? Mm. Uh, that's probably the best word to describe that that disjointed feeling of something's not quite right here. Um, sometimes your whole life can be thrown into chaos with, in terms of those feelings, or sometimes it can just be that one thing, like your career. What was it that you were feeling at that time that wasn't quite right, and one thing I, you're probably going to share this, one memory you had distinctly was uh, watching the people above you move on from their work. And I'd just love to know what, what that turning point was like for you, what you felt, and then what you did next. What was your next action? Next little step, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that point 
it's actually not a fun place to be in and it you know the tipping point it's so funny because it sounds like that's oh, just like this little mm. this little thing that kind of mm. happens but <laughs> it was it was a very like a long period of time where I didn't feel I didn't feel good I didn't like who I was I didn't like what I was doing I didn't really like anything about my life and I didn't feel like I was pursuing something that I was passionate about mm. or something that I was excited about and I felt I felt really confused and I felt ungrateful and I felt like there was something that was wrong with me because I had you know the safety I had <clears throat> the finances I had the partner I had you know all of this stuff and from the outside I even had people say it looks like you have the perfect mm. life you know you've got it all together you've got houses and cars and you go on holidays and you've got a great job and it's all great and then you know sometimes I would go to sleep and I would just be laying there crying just thinking mm. this is not it's not what I want and I don't know I don't know like what to do mm. to change it or you know I felt like a bad person <clears throat> really that I was just so ungrateful for what I had and so because I thought there was something wrong with me I actually went and did some coaching mm. so I went and did some coaching with Declan from BE coaching and he was really great um, I remember coming away from it the thing that I came away with was there was actually not anything wrong with me mm. which was really great it's mm. exactly what I needed to hear and if I was unhappy about any circumstance in my life I needed to do something to change it mm. okay so I needed to <clears throat> you know see the thing that I wasn't happy about and then actually look at taking steps towards mm. changing it and only I could be only I could control that mm. I think when I was a lot younger, I would have seen the world as, you know, everything is happening to me and there's nothing that I can do and I'm a victim and all of that stuff that, you know, over, as you get older, you start to realize that that's actually not the truth. But <laughs> definitely there was a long time in my life where I thought that that's how it was. But after going through that coaching, it was so great to um, feel empowered to actually make changes. I was mm. like, oh, okay, I'm not happy. I can mm. make a change. I can actually do something about it. But for a long time, I definitely, I wallowed for a long time, um, just not, not knowing what to do. I specifically remember actually um, thinking, I wish I had a guardian an angel, someone who could come down and, you know, kind of guide me through it mm. or like tell me which, what decisions do I need to make or mm. what do I need to, what do I need to do to get me out of feeling like this? And actually, I'll talk about that later, but um, that's, you know, one of, something that I'm really passionate about is trying to help women through that point in mm. their life if they're stuck, like mm. knowing that they've got someone that can help mm. them through. Because at that time, I definitely felt like I didn't have people around me who'd made that change. Mm. Mm. Um, all the people who were around me were kind of in the same position I was. They, you know, my girlfriends, I would go out for you know lunch or something and we'd talk about how we hated our job mm. and our lives sucked and it was really <laughs> soul-sucking stuff. Yeah. <laughs> But that's, you know, that's a, that's a pr pretty normal thing to happen for women. Um, and the only reason they talk about it is because they want to get out of it, but yeah. they don't know how. So they just go round and round in circles. Um, anyway, back on topic, went off on a bit of a tangent there. So something that one of the tipping points or one of the parts of the tipping point was going to retirement parties. So once I got my job and I was on the next level and it was all great, I started to see more retirement parties because a lot of people who climbed the ladder and they'd ended up in these mm. great jobs were leaving and, you know, they'd be probably about 65. And I remember watching, you know, these retirement parties unfold and seeing the people leaving and there was nothing left of them. They were a shell of a human, like mentally, physically, emotionally. There was nothing left of them to take into retirement. Mm. And 
it just made me think I, I don't want that to be me like I'm unhappy now imagine me being that unhappy for the mm. next like 30 or 40 years of my life mm. only to leave and do what to die like, <laughs> I don't know, like, what what is it, retirement that's just the next step towards death right yeah. Like, yeah when you look at it like that and I remember I actually spoke to one of the guys I think it was one of the last retirement parties that I went to and he actually said um, my recommendation to you is to get out. Well, you can like go and do something that you're, you, you know, you mm. actually wanted to do that mm. you're actually passionate about. Mm. And he said, you know, if he'd had his time again, he would have, he would have gotten out and he would have done it. No, actually, I remember talking to another lady who was not too much older than what I was, and I remember talking to her saying, oh, like if you could do anything, what would you, what would you want to do? And she said that she wanted to. I think she said she wanted to run a photography business or something like that. And I just said, well, well, why don't you? You still can. And she said, oh no I can't my daughter my daughter's in university and I said I'd pay for her to go to university and I'm looking after her and she had like 101 reasons why she couldn't do the thing that she was mm. passionate about it's like most people don't even know what they don't even have a passion they don't mm. even know and she's sitting here at this desk job while she knows what she's passionate about but she's too afraid to jump and actually do something about it um so that was another thing I was like okay that's it I'm, I'm doing it yeah. I, I don't have any kids I don't you know I don't have to stay here I can make a choice and go and do something else mm. um but yeah definitely I, I don't want to do something that I hate for my whole life only to retire and die yeah. <laughs> or you know be like Warren Buffett and just keep working into your yeah, 80s until, until you die yeah because <laughs> you love it so much <laughs> not because you're waiting for that you know paycheck that yeah. last big paycheck or whatever so uh, you kind of alluded to this a little bit there where you were saying that you felt out of alignment with your career, but at the same time, you're also seeing relationships start mm. to shift and change in your life. And I know that um, personally as well, that's something that I went through because I started to realize that as I was going to make this change, uh, I was very fortunate to have uh, John with me and uh, who, who'd already made a number of switches anyway before before I did so I had had seen that my parents also had done different things but I was I was a bit worried that my whole tribe was going to change mm -hmm. I wanted it to change because I wanted to be aligned with people that were on the same path as me that are experienced with the same kind of growth and change and you know trying these different things did you experience the same thing as well yeah, yeah. I definitely did um so my partner at the time who I was we were married we were together for 11 years and were married for four nearly five mm. years um when we got together my idea of a relationship as you know was just someone who was secure he he is a beautiful person mm. don't don't get me wrong on that he's wonderful and we've had like a lot of really great conversations um since we've separated but at the time you know when i when we first got together that's what i wanted and then that mm. that changed because i changed mm. you know and i wanted to evolve in my idea of what i wanted our relationship to be and what he wanted our relationship mm. to be was very different mm. um so you know while i was wallowing at night time crying thinking mm. about my career and my love life and then my friends my friends as well because as a woman you often tend to go with your partner's yeah. friends you know mm. and they all become your friends and then mm. I thought well like if if we separate and if I change jobs like what what do, what do I have who have mm. I got then and that is definitely something that happened after um after the separation from my ex and after I changed jobs I, I lost nearly all of my friends yeah. nearly all of them I had 
had no one. Yeah. Um, which was, it was pretty disheartening to, you know, to not have them want to reach out to me and, you know, see how I was and, you know, keep talking. But at the same time, I, I kind of feel like it needed to happen. Mm. Like, you, to be able to, you know, pursue your own passions, you need to be around people who are doing mm. the same thing. Mm. Because... Mm you need that support you need those people around you to keep you motivated and mm. keep you moving forward you know mm. if you're always hanging out with people who are complaining about their jobs and you know, you know hating their lives and yeah. all that stuff it's it's just not helpful so yes i lost my tribe and it was really sad in the beginning but i have a new tribe now so yeah. it's all good yeah. <laughs> um and i guess thinking about all of these things coming together the change that you made uh, now you're a movement coach and many other things, yoga teacher as well, and you're also uh, doing lots of other exciting things with your life apart from just your career. What was that point where you said, right, this is it. I, I'm making this switch. I'm making this change in my career. And I know that you you mentioned that you, you did it without fully having the plan mapped out. <laughs> Whereas at 18, you had the plan mapped out. I, you know, meet this tall, dark and handsome man. We buy the house, you know, like um, I have the great job, so on and so on. And then suddenly you were choosing to do it a completely different way. Uh, what, what did it look like, that career transition? Because I know you said that the decision to do it took a while, but then you also started to dabble a little bit mm. in your potential next career. So yeah, share with us those first steps that you made yeah so the movement stuff that came that came along I had actually been doing movement for a long time I want to say that there were there were parts of movement that were actually I don't want to say they were the major catalyst but they were definitely a part of the catalyst for me realizing that I didn't have to be unhappy Mm. Um, and it was all to do with when I started movement prior to that I was doing training that was basically for aesthetics Mm. so I was just training to look good I had a personal trainer and I'd go to the gym Mm. and you know I just wanted to have that body and that was kind of it and I didn't I didn't look at it as being a fun thing it was just Mm. something that I needed to do so I felt Mm. good about myself Um, and so it's healthy and when I started doing movement training it was a real eye-opener for me because I realized that you know this stuff that I'm doing like I'm moving my body but you know well, I can enjoy it. Mm, oh, yeah. oh, I yeah. can actually, I can, this can be a thing that I actually enjoy doing. You know, I can, you know, I, I really loved handstands in the beginning and that was like really exciting. It was challenging and it was fun. And I was around all of these people who were da- doing, you know, similar things mm. and they were enjoying it together as a community. And it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And it made me realize, you know, initially my thoughts on, on training and exercise were just that it was for aesthetics and it was to be healthy. But changing that perspective to realizing, oh no, like I can do something that's fun as well and enjoyable. It made me think, well, with my career, it doesn't necessarily have to just be for the money. Maybe Mm. I could do something that I actually enjoy Mm. doing. And I really did love the movement. I was doing um, movement stuff at the time when I'd already had this kind of shift. And I decided, actually it was after I had my, did my my life coaching, I was talking to my coach and I got on the topic of movement and he said to me, have you ever heard yourself talk about movement before? (laughs) And I remember him saying, I've actually got goosebumps now just remembering him say that. He he said, have you ever actually heard Mm. yourself talking about Mm. it before? And I was like, 
I don't know, like, what did it sound like? Yeah. Say, like, this is, like, your, this is your thing. Like, this yeah. is your passion. Like, you said that you don't have any purpose and all of a sudden I'm seeing all of this passion in you. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of passionate about it. Mm. Um, I guess I just didn't, I didn't realise it. I was just, like, doing it. I was, it was awesome. It was so fun. And then I realised, yeah, I would like to do this. I'd mm. like to do this. Can I do this as a career? Can I teach this? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I went and, of course, went and did my um, certificate so that I could teach. And I, I was teaching even when I was working at Glencore. Mm. So I was um, really busy because I was working a full-time job there. And then I was working part-time, also helping out with um, admin and stuff at the Movement Collective where I was teaching. And I was also training like seven days a week because yeah. I, I was training so much. Yeah. So I was super, super busy. And I kind of got to this point, this is after my relationship um, had ended, actually we'd been separated for a while and Rod and I had actually, we were together at this point. And I remember realizing, or thinking at first, I can do it all. Mm. I can have this job and I can have this job and I can keep up with my training and I can have a relationship and it's it's good, it's great, I'm just gonna keep doing it. This is, it's all great, it's fine. Mm. Um, and it was mainly because I didn't want to let go of the, the financial stability. Mm. That was the, the big thing. And there was, there was definitely a realisation where I went, I've got one foot in and one foot out. And also, I felt like the eight hours a day that I was spending in this job was so, was wasted energy. Mm. Like mm. there was, I was not, I was not actually getting anything out of it other than financial mm. benefit. And that was at that point. You know, I'd already let go of, you know, my houses and my marriage and my cars and all of that stuff. It didn't matter. Like, the mm. finances don't matter. What matters is that I'm happy. Mm. And then the retirement parties and all of that all came into it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I realised that, yeah, I, I could let go of it. Um, I didn't know how it was going to work out. I didn't know where all my money was going to come from. I didn't know if I was going to be good enough at it to be able to make it into to a career mm. but I knew that what I was doing wasn't working so mm. I had to I let it go mm. and that's so that's such a good lesson uh, because now you're fine right yeah. you've found <laughs> your feet you're financially stable you're in a great relationship uh, you know it's not like everything's roses and you're <laughs> you know like gold um, on your path and the way to work kind of thing but uh, for the most part, it, it's together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and you had to go through. I know financially, um, there's a lot of ways that we can make this career switch. And some of us are in the fortunate position where maybe we can take long service leave, and so that we can use that money to start kickstart yeah. the process. Or maybe we uh, get made redundant and that's mm. our little boost or um, maybe we can start building money on the side and we save money on the side to be able to make the change there's so many different ways to do it and i think we ultimately can't be restricted by the thought that i'm going to a hundred percent lose this salary to today and then tomorrow i'm going to have nothing mm. yeah it can be done in a way that works for you and that's uh, just working out what works for you uh, financially and you were in finance yeah you know? so right. you yeah. had all the yeah. I had, had a lot of tools also um, I, I did sell my car which yeah. was worth a lot of money yeah um, so I, I had quite a bit of money from that and I was kind of living so you do have to make sacrifices yeah. there are yeah. going to be sacrifices I think 
thinking that you're going to seamlessly breeze from yeah. like one career to another, it's probably not going to happen. There's going to mm. be a transition period where it feels like, what have I done? Have I made the right choice? And like, maybe you're not going to make it, but you keep pushing forward anyway. And I, you know, I had this lump sum of money from my car that I sold and I remember it like going down and down and down and mm. down and down. And then it was okay. Eventually it was all okay. And, and, and you know, I always had a roof over my head. I always had food. Mm. Um, I just had to make sacrifices in other places and that's okay. Do you think though those sacrifices were overruled by the fact that this change was more in line with the yeah. values that you really had yeah. and that suddenly you realized all of those things that I thought meant I was this person now, mm. no, now no longer mean as much and sure I don't have to go out and buy new clothes every yeah. week for a while um, and I'm actually going to be okay yeah. with that because <laughs> did you see a bigger goal on yes. the horizon? 100% yeah. it felt so good to walk out on my last day even though I was scared to death that mm. I wasn't going to have any money mm. at some point mm. because I knew that everything that like all the places that my energy were going to it was where I wanted to put my energy mm. and mm. that's a big deal like spending your energy on all the things you, you want to spend your energy on that's that's huge yeah you know to not be working a job that you don't want to be working and to be unhappy or to be in a relationship that makes you sad they're like they're not good mm. things to be mm. able to put all of your energy into things that you love things that you're passionate about people that you love um yeah that's it's priceless yes yeah i think there's a saying something like where energy goes money flows yes <laughs> and you you've just uh, reinforced that that when you had really good energy in your work sure the money was flowing before but it was in a very like one way yeah. type of exchange mm. and now this is this beautiful exchange where you you get to help people yeah. and you're reciprocated in return and and actually that as well would have been such a good lesson for you that I can be paid to help yeah. change people's lives Definitely. and I can accept money yeah. for that because when you move, often when you move into something that's in the well-being industry and in yoga and there's this weird notion that we should just give and get nothing in return, mm. you know, and that we can't be financially compensated or... I can't take people's money for doing this. Did, did that, was that something that came up for you or how have you? I think that it's still sometimes something that it does come up for me, especially with my friendships. I do sometimes find myself in friendships where I'm just giving and giving and giving. Mm. Um, mm. So that has come up and, you know, maybe maybe it's not the right relationship for me to be mm -hmm. in um, mm -hmm. but I find myself there because I, I just want to help people and I don't mm -hmm. and at the time like I just want to help you I, I, it doesn't matter if I'm getting paid for it I'll, we'll just mm -hmm. be friends and I'll just help you but eventually I do find myself distancing myself mm -hmm. from those people that are just like kind of sucking all of my energy yeah, out yeah. Um, because I can be friends with people who are going to lift me up and people who are in a position where you know it can be more free-flowing and it, like more of a conversation rather than just a take 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 mm, mm. um so yeah sorry what was the question <laughs> <laughs> uh, the question was being okay with that um, yeah. value exchange in your previous work it was picking up a paycheck yeah. every week or fortnight or 
however frequent it was and now it's suddenly you're being paid for who you are and what value you can bring i think sometimes i give it away sometimes i give it away for free is what i was thinking yeah Uh, definitely but there was also a point where i realized that if i didn't value Mm. myself and value what i did Mm. then other people were not going to value me as well and i remember the point where i put uh, my prices for my uh, private sessions to the same as what Rod was charging, mm. uh, which was a big, yeah, it's more now, but <laughs> it was a big deal back then for me to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to say that, yeah, I am, I'm worth the same amount as what he is yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I remember doing that and the first time I got, when I got my first two clients who were paying me that amount of money, I was just like, oh, wow, like all this time, like I could have just been valuing myself and other people would see that value in me mm. as well. So that was something mm. that was a mm. big deal. Very quickly, because this is something that I help uh, my clients with a lot in terms of pricing their products and their services, how did you decide what that value was worth? Like, what yep. came into that equation for you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, at first, I just kind of plucked a figure out of there. <laughs> yeah. It was really, really hard to do. Um, actually, the first figure that I plucked out was what I used to pay my old personal trainer mm. um, for his time. But I soon realized that what we did was very, very different. The sort of um, coaching that I offer is, it's very specific and very tailored and I've got a really broad range of stuff that I can mm. give to people. Mm. Um, I've been you know, training in this type of movement stuff for about five years and mm. prior to that, I'd done all sorts of other training. You're a pole dancer? Yeah, yeah. I, did, yeah. I did pole for a while, I did yeah. kettlebells, I did, I've done a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say I've done a lot of yeah. stuff. I've dabbled in everything. Um, and I bring all of that into my private coaching. Mm. I also like the yoga as well, all the movement, all the hand balancing, gymnastics, the stretching, all of that stuff, I bring it in. Whereas when I was being trained by my personal trainer, it was more just like cardio and weights. Mm. It's mm. like, very it's formulaic. very standard and yeah, it's really, really kind of like base stuff. So mm. I realized that what he was doing and what I was offering was totally different. I'm like, I need to be paid double what he was being paid. Yeah. And that's actually the figure that I, I ended up with. And it was the same figure that Rod was yeah. getting paid. So I was like, okay, that, I get it now. Yeah. 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 It's such a good realization, isn't yeah. it? When you get to that point where you go, oh, all of these things actually create the value. Yeah. And for some of my clients, they also haven't been in their current, their new profession or they've started their side hustle and it's very new Mm. but what they don't realize is that they've been actually doing this stuff for years whether like whether it be the fact that you were training seven Mm. days a week and you were dedicated and all of these values that you have Mm. come into it as well I can help you be dedicated to your training I can help you have fun yes and so those things actually come into how you price your work and it can be really tough in the yeah. beginning if you haven't been doing it for a while. 100%. So I'm really glad that you shared that. Besides movement, this is, uh, we're coming to our final mm-hmm. question. Uh, what are you also really passionate about and what are you creating as a result of that this year uh, that I'm very excited to be involved in? So. So something that I did touch on briefly um, is, you know, through through my struggles that I went through of having, feeling like I was in a situation mm. where I was stuck and I didn't have, you know, people around me who were doing the things that I wanted to do, I, I really wanted to give that to other women. So mm. something that I'm passionate about is seeing women 
helping or supporting women to be able to make these big choices for themselves. And sometimes it could be something very small, like sometimes it's just getting someone to move a little bit. Mm. It's a very, very simple thing. Mm. And sometimes when they realize their potential in movement, whether it's just overcoming an injury or whether it's you know being able to do a handstand, mm. whatever the thing is, them seeing that potential in themselves makes them realize that they have potential in other places. Mm. So that really excites me, helping to shift that um, mm. that stuck feeling, however I can facilitate it. Um, and that is why I've created these little events that I've created. I don't want to say little events, actually. No. There's a lot of them, and yeah. they're pretty big events. Um, so I've created these workshops. They're called Exuberant Women. And there's one on every month this year. And each one, the whole idea behind it is to get women to come to these events and maybe just like unstick some of those little points. Mm. So each workshop is very, it's very different at each one. So I've got a, a physical part. So there'll be a, a different teacher there teaching some sort of physical movement, mm. whether it's um, BJJ or movement, or I've got a lady coming to do some Zentai Shiatsu. So we'll be working on each other's bodies. Um, we've got uh, women's fitness gyms. We've got all sorts of movement. And then also we've got amazing speakers mm. like yourself. Mm. Yes. Um, I've got a really good friend, Liz Burton, actually. She's going to come and speak and she's going to talk about cycles. I've got yeah. my friend Katie. She's going to um, do some talking about stress and naturopathy. I've got nutritionists and yeah. all, just really awesome women from Newcastle. Mm. And mm. I just want to get the women of Newcastle to come in and be connected to these mm. women. Mm. So they can see these women who are, they're doing the thing. Mm. You know, they're doing the thing. Walking the walk. They're walking the walk and talking the talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, when you know someone who's doing that, it makes it so much more achievable. Mm. Like, for example, when I first started doing handstands, I was in a class where, you know, there were three or four people who were doing handstands. Prior to that, I'd never, I don't think I'd ever, ever seen someone do a handstand. Mm. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, maybe I can do this too. Yeah. You know, like these yeah. people around me, they're all doing yeah. it. So maybe I can do it as well. Mm. And I think that's the same as like getting these women to be around these, you know, these awesome people and just maybe start to see their own potential. Yeah. So, yeah. That's very, very exciting. I'm, I'm really proud of you for creating this. And, and this is also to come full circle now, a reflection of your new tribe and your new life and being able to share those people with more people you know yeah. so it's, it's really really beautiful and uh very much a reflection of who you are and how far you've come uh over the last few years and how you've built this life that you really love now so uh thank you so much for your time today mm -hmm. jenny it's been a real pleasure there's so much so much gold in this uh episode for everyone so i really hope that uh you've got something out of it and jenny where can we find you if we want to hang out with you more in person or online yeah what's what's your jam yeah cool so i do teach classes um at the movement collective in waratah and newcastle and i also do face-to-face -face coaching from there and also private online coaching mm -hmm. um i'll put, give you my website details and stuff so people can head over and get more information if they yeah. want um, also give you Instagram and Facebook and stuff. And you know, follow me, I'll keep in touch. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, it's at Jenny, J-E-N-I, moves, M-O-V-E-S. Beautiful. Yeah. Great. Thank <laughs> you, Jenny. Thanks, Ruby. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We did it. <laughs> uh.